Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. For today. Where we think about forever and how long that will be. But today is just a moment in the time we will spend with you. We think, Lord, about those who have come before us and those who will come after. We thank you for your faithfulness through all generations. We thank you for your love and care. We thank you for your word that reminds us, Lord, that you are still with us, a part of us, and that you care about us. Thank you for allowing us to gather together this morning. Lord, we pray a special blessing on those who aren't with us this morning, that they would would sense your love as well. And Lord, we look forward to that day soon when we all can be together. Lord, we pray that you would continue to strengthen us and encourage us. Use your word to remind us of the way that you have designed for us to live. Your plan, your perfection. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're almost halfway through. And if you're a list liker, if you like to, to put lists together, or like to have uh, a bunch of um, boxes to check off, per se, uh, Paul here gives Timothy a list of what it takes to be a leader, what it takes to lead others. First Timothy chapter 3. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do it in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Jump to verse 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Lord, the memories from that song.
the memories that flood through my mind. Lord, I thank you that you give us minds to think, the ability to reason, the opportunity to learn. May we never stop growing in our faith. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us what, what it looks like to be a good, godly leader. Lord, thank you for spelling that out and giving us the opportunities in our own lives to lead others. No matter whether we have a title that says leader or we lead a home or we spend time with others, in, in, Lord, we are leading others closer to you. And I thank you, Lord, that you put out and give Paul the, the, the reasoning to, set, to give to Timothy, an understanding that this is what good, godly leadership looks like. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. That song is the best. It uh, brings tears to my eyes to think about it. My grandmother, I was, I was thinking about leadership this week. And we, we know that there are people in our lives, um, whether they were leaders with, you know, or they had the badge, they, they, they led other people. And as I was, I was working through the sermon, I was thinking about the leaders in my life. And my grandma on my mom's side, she sang that song. And uh, she was from Great Britain, and so she had this interesting accent. And so when she would sing it, I, I, she sang it here once, and I was here sitting, standing next to her one time, and it still brings tears in my eyes to think about uh, that song. And so uh, that song is really pretty powerful and special to me because there are a lot of those leaders in our lives and you know this the scripture today is uh, is focused to the overseer, the the leader of what we might call the church. And yet, there's a piece of me that understands that leadership is so much bigger than someone who gets a title, right? This, as I was working through this, it really came to mind that. Timothy's job, his role in overseeing the church of Ephesus was this. Timothy, you need to go and pick out people who have these qualities to have house church at their house. There wouldn't be 150 people at a church service. There would be five or six maybe families most because we're not going to put that we don't have the ability to put 100 people in any of our houses. So so Timothy's role was to go around and, and look for someone in the first three rows here who will have their house church, and then someone in the next three rows is going to have house church. And, 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 he, and that was Timothy's role through all of Ephesus was, was to pick people geographically who would, who would be in charge of the house church. And so his role was, 
uh, was to do that and to use these standards to help uh, to help him discern who it was. And and we remember in uh, chapter one we were talking about get watch out for the false teachers because they would you know it wasn't like they all happened here and they were teaching. There was all these little sectors of teaching all around. And so Timothy's role was make sure you're putting good people in the right spots. And so in a church of like this size, we might have, what, uh, maybe eight or ten pastors, overseers, uh, leaders of the church who would each have their peace. And so Timothy's job was, okay, find these people, make sure they fit the reputation that I have put out in front and that they do uh, what they're told to do. Now, mind you, it's, it's easy to call someone a leader, is it not? Uh, Brentley got me this cup for Christmas. I'm not sure whether, how to take that. Uh, he, it, may be, it may have been a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, actually, complete honesty, it's, it's, an office, it's an office mug, and he's out there smiling. <laughs> it's, an office, uh, it's an office mug, and so uh, my wife and I like the office a lot, and so... But I want you to think just for a minute about some of the bosses that you've had in this world, right? We've had sometimes really good bosses with no education. We've had really good bosses uh, who have helped us and, and nurtured us and, and helped us move along. And then there's those bosses, and someone told me this story, and I pass it along to you, that GE would hire sometimes young people out of college, directly out of college without any real-life knowledge, any real-life experience. And they would hire these people out of, out of college, and they would put them in leadership roles. And they would, you know what happens when you put a young person in a leadership role, and everyone but them is older, right? And they walk in there, and they think they rule the world because they have a, a title, and yet they work with 10 people who have 20 or 30 or 40 years experience, and they quickly find out it's a rough road, is it not? Because it's not always about the title we get. It's not always about uh, what someone tells us we are, but rather sometimes it's about earning that trust and earning that respect. And that's what uh, Paul is telling Timothy in his, uh, in his list of things that he has for those leaders. There's actually 14 of them. And we're going to kind of walk through them very pragmatically. I, this isn't, it's a little harder when you're reading this passage, but I want to break them down just a little bit to get a better, little bit better sense. And I want to encourage you that not always are leaders having the badge. Moms, you are leaders, right? Wives, you are leaders. You know, Paul's using the male gender in this uh, as he's talking about overseers. and uh, But that doesn't negate the fact that we all have roles in leadership. And if you read, I didn't read the middle piece. That's the part for the deacons and or what would be maybe called servants, people who did the, the legwork. Um, very much similar, but not as many uh, of the requirements. The reality is this. We all can aspire 
to have these leadership goals and roles in our own life. And these are the things that, um, as a leader, we would want to follow. And if a leader has these, obviously, we'll be more willing to follow and learn from them. Right? One of the things that I always think about when I think about leadership in Scripture is, if I'm going to leadership uh, and thinking about leadership from the very... Like the top notch, I'm always looking at how Jesus did it, right? How did Jesus uh, do life? Did he delegate everything away? Absolutely not, right? Because I think the business world we live in says just delegate it to someone else because that makes you more powerful and you can sit back and put your feet up on a desk and let everyone else do your work. But I, I see Jesus not doing it that way. Being an example was the way he led people. And so I always, look, I always go back to how Jesus did life while he was here. He washed the disciples' feet. Why? Not because he needed to, but because he wanted to be an example to them, to show them what leadership looked like. And so we're going to go through this list today, and it's kind of long. Uh, we'll, we'll start here, and then we'll, we'll kind of break it down. And Paul, Paul tells Timothy, a godly leader is above reproach is faithful to his wife, is temperate, is self-controlled and respectable. He's hospitable, able to teach, not a drunk, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, not an absent father, not a recent convert, not of bad reputation. Let's start at the beginning. First thing is not it, it is a, a good leader is above reproach, which can, the King James Version says is blameless, inculpable. Isn't that a nice big word? That's a big legal type. That means you're not guilty. You're innocent. You have no guilt in it. And so Paul is telling Timothy, this guy needs to be top notch. He needs to be faithful to his wife. There is a lot of there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of movement back and forth on this. And if you want to talk to someone who studied this one verse or one passage for about a year, my dad is in the corner Sunday school. I I'm sure he'd love to tell you he studied this for a whole year trying to figure out exactly what it meant to be faithful to his wife, or a one woman man is what he likes to say, a one woman man. And there are people who struggle with this. With divorce, does divorce, how does that come into this? How, does it, how do we deal with divorce in the midst of this? Um, and I put that up there because not to answer the question, but rather to just to help you think about um, what being faithful to your wife or your spouse looks like. And I want to challenge you to think about this. Other distractions that take us away from our wife and or family. I want to talk about what other distractions Things like work. I know way too many people who are married to their job. In fact, I've, there's a joke about work being your mistress, right? We've heard that joke. Some have said that. Or porn. Where does porn fit in that? Well, it, fit, it doesn't fit. Right, you're right. It doesn't fit into... <laughs> I, <laughs> you said it backwards. You got me confused. Right. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't fit into being faithful for, to your wife. Absolutely. And how about hobbies? 
How about hobbies that take over our lives? Hobbies that, that or, or things of busyness that take over our lives. And those things that keep us from being involved and being in touch and being emotionally connected to our wives. God gave us a wife for a reason, a spouse for a reason. It's a reflection, the scripture says, of the relationship that he wants to have with us. And all too often, it looks like the relationship we have with God. It's distant. It's cold. It's one-sided. Or maybe even abusive. Paul says to Timothy, This person needs to be faithful. It needs to show. They should be the example for everyone else in their church to follow. And if they're not the example, there's a problem. They're not the person who should be in leadership. It says temperate. They need to be temperate or vigilant, as the King James says. Balanced in thought and actions. Temperate. What does that remind you of? The word temperate. Not as brittle, right? How about temperature? Does it remind you any? My temperature this last week in my house was perfect. I got a repair. My furnace was my furnace was not lighting every time, but we didn't know that. We were like, it must have lit like once and then not lit lit and not. And my wife's like, hey, it's like consistently warm. And then we didn't realize it. We didn't even know, you know, because it would like kick around and come around and turn right up and fire right back up. But as cold as it was yesterday, the temperature just stayed consistent and temperate. And I think that's, that's the idea that temperate is um, balanced in our understanding, balanced in our thought, not being all over the place, self-controlled. Being sound of mind and discreet. You know, there are those times when we need to be honest with someone. And there are definitely two different ways to do that, are there not? One, being discreet and helping them to grow. The other, shoving it down their throat. There's great scripture that says, speak the truth in love. Right? And I, I am just as guilty as any. I speak the truth, but not always in love. And I have to be reminded, I have to remind myself that part of being self-controlled is speaking it in love, which means sometimes we have to pick the right time. Sometimes we have to pick the right place. Sometimes we have to be careful how we say it. Sometimes we need to, to be patient and let God work through the details. You know how many times that I wanted to say something to someone and... And it was one of those things like, I, need, I just need to say it. I need to say it. I need to, I need to get it out. And it was one of those like, just let it ride. And you don't know how many times God worked out all the details if I would just allow it to happen in his time, not my time. Third, we need to be respectable. Modest in our understanding of life. Modest in the way... Uh, we see life orderly and responsible, hospitable. If you're not good with people, it's going to be hard to lead people. That's the joke, right? 
this job would be great if there were no people. It's a, it's a great joke. But the reality is it, any role of leadership, there are people on the other side. There are people to be working with. And I don't know about you, but there are very few jobs where you will not have to deal with people. And so finding ways to be hospitable. Finding ways to find joy in dealing with other people. Opening your house. Paul says, in order to be hospitable, you're going to have to open your house. You can't make people sit outside in six degree weather doing home church. It's not going to work very well. I'll meet you in the parking lot and we'll do home church, right? You're not going to get many of a group. But a nice warm house, a nice warm place where they can meet together will make all the difference. Fourth, able to teach. If you want to lead other people, you have to be teachable. You have to grow yourself. You have to be willing to stretch yourself. You have to be able to communicate, which means you have to be able to listen. You have to have a desire to share God's word. You desire to tell other people about Jesus. And are you teachable? Can you be taught? Right? That's the, the joke is when I retire, I'm done learning. But the reality is we never stop learning. We always need to be teachable, able to grow. I, I played a bad practical joke on Wednesday night. If you weren't there Wednesday night, we had 17. It was an awesome uh, Bible study on Wednesday night. I just want to say thanks to all those who came. Uh, we don't have it this week because we have... Uh, business meeting, but we'll be back at it next week. But I, I, I started the conversation with, do you know where women fit in ministry? And I went around and I forced everyone to say, do you know? And I would, so I went to, like, if Amy was there, I was like, Amy, do you know? And so she might say, absolutely. And then the next person might say, well, I'm not sure. And then, but most everybody said, I absolutely know where I, where I fit. And, and I, then I challenged them to be teachable, which means there might be a way that God changes my perspective on that if I'm willing and open. And it's part of our theology not to be wishy-washy, but rather to be open to the Spirit when the Spirit's leading or moving us in a different direction. And I have a, I've said this multiple times. If your theology is exactly the same as it was, every, every I and, uh, that's dotted and T that's crossed for the last 30 years, you haven't moved. Because my God is open and is sharp and he wants to challenge us and move us in our theology to sanctify us. We don't have it all figured out. I used to go to a church, God bless them, still love them, but I used to go to a church where I signed a paper and this is what I believed for the rest of my life. And as long as I signed it, I could be a member, but if I didn't sign it, I couldn't be a member. So obviously I did what, what we did, I signed it. The problem with that was that it's hard to read Scripture and find anything other than what supports this if that's the only thing you believe. And God gave us the Holy Spirit in our lives to come to us and to be a part of us, to move us in a direction that sanctifies us and helps us to be more like Him. That means you shouldn't have the same theology you had 30 years ago. You shouldn't. 
I'm not saying you're making big swings or big changes, but God should still be working in the things that are in our lives. Otherwise, why are you reading Scripture? Why are you bothering to read Scripture? Because aren't you reading Scripture to get something new out of it, to get something that changes you today? Something maybe that reminds you or helps you grow? Isn't that what Scripture's all about? And if you're not willing to move, why waste your time? Obviously, I don't want you to not waste your time. I want you to read Scripture. What I want you to hear is be teachable. Understand that you may not have it all figured out 100%. And that God is still working. Dave's example this morning of uh, how much has changed in the last month. I can remember Dave saying in December, there's a lot of stuff going down and I don't know what's going to happen. And that was a month ago, huh, Dave? And you said, I don't even want to talk about it yet. And then we watched God work in, in about a month um, for Dave, to, Dave and Willow to move out of their house, sell their house, uh, get rid of some stuff, and totally turn life upside down. And isn't that how our spiritual walk should be? Open and available for God when he's working in and around us. Teachable. Don't be a drunk. Not given to, or in the vicinity, the actual, uh, the, the Greek says, don't be uh, in the vicinity of the wine jug. I think that's pretty funny. Like, it, re- it makes me think of, they probably didn't have bars, so it would have been just real close. Hey, I'm going to sit next to the, uh, to the wine jug. Not given to, not being taken over by alcohol. Not violence. Gentle. The King James says, don't be a striker. Not quarrelsome. Not arguing for arguing's sake. Not verbal accusations or altercations. Learning to hold our tongue. I bit through my tongue one time. And so when I was a kid... I can remember I was on a, I was on a, uh, a bed and someone, I was jumping. I know you're going to have a hard time believing this. No more monkeys jumping on the bed. This monkey was jumping on the bed. And somebody whacked me right in the chin. And, it, and I used to, I must have had my tongue, you know. And so I bit right through my tongue. Ding! All the way through. It stayed on. There were little pieces on the edge. Mom did, I I don't think you can go to the hospital and get it sewed back on, so I don't, I, I don't know. We didn't go anyway. I still have a tongue, see? But here's what I have and what I got from that. Right about there is a notch that's built right into, the, right into my tongue. So when I'm going to bite my tongue, I just put it on there. It helps me remember to bite my tongue. Because I'm not always good at biting my tongue. I'm not always good at saying... Not saying the things that cause a fight. Like being quiet, Veronica. <laughs> hey, I just want to apologize. I, I, my wife said I was absolutely rude last Sunday. So, Veronica, this is my apology. I am sorry if I was rude. My wife said I needed to apologize. I, I want to do that. She likes you, I guess. <laughs> Not greedy. If money is your God, 
It's going to hard, be hard to lead. Not a lover of money, says the King James. Not absent at home. I think this is a big challenge for us. Sometimes emotionally we get disconnected from home. That doesn't mean we don't come home. That doesn't mean we aren't involved. That doesn't mean we don't change the diapers. That doesn't mean we don't cook food or supply the needs. But sometimes we're not emotionally connected at home. And the best example for our kids is the way we treat our spouse. Paul tells Timothy, if you can't do it right at home, you're going to have a real hard time doing it leading the church. And men, we are responsible to lead our family. That's what the scripture says. We are responsible to lead our family. Not to oppress our family, but rather to lead them like God would lead us. And if you want to read some about that, that's in Ephesians chapter 5. It's a very good reminder where Paul is telling uh, the church, listen, this is how you lead your family. Lead it like God leads you. Not a recent convert. Leadership is a big responsibility. Paul says, listen, if you're a recent convert, if you just came to the faith, if you're just new to the faith or understanding the faith and you're still working that out, you will get prideful. Pride will creep in and you'll be puffed up, as the scripture says. So be careful. That's a reminder for those of us who have been in the faith for a time. That if we're not careful, the pride will creep in in our lives as well. Not of bad reputation. To me, this encompasses the whole thing. Listen, your, your, your reputation is going to precede you. It encompasses everything, all the qualities that Paul is talking about. I tell teenagers a lot, especially when I was in youth ministry, reputation is a real easy thing to get and real hard to get rid of, is it not? It's... That's what I mean. Reputations are real easy to get. We get them and hard to get rid of. Good leadership reflects God. Good leadership reflects God in us. First Peter it says, Live such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see no, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us. Remember that we are to be neighbors, to make neighbors, and to build God's neighborhood. And our example. Our example is just as maybe even more important than anything we might say. Our example of God's love reflecting in our lives is what's most important. Why? Paul says to Timothy, why are we doing this? Why am I sending you this? I'm writing you this so that you'll know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. He says, I gave you these goals for leadership, this list of leadership 
for a reason so that you'll know and be able to conduct yourself the way that God wants you to conduct yourself. Why? Because our job, our goal, our focus needs to be pointed at God. Let me uh, read you first, uh, first uh, Isaiah 61.1. I love this verse. It matches up with the hospital model, the mindset of working on broken, uh, binding up those who are broken, of which we are all broken. It says, the sovereign Lord God has sent me to bring good news, the gospel, to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and freedom for prisoners. That's our focus. To bring ourselves out of the, uh, the damaging uh, brokenness and uh, the prisons that we have put ourselves in. To help others find healing and growth. To heal them up, to bind them up, to proclaim liberty, to give them freedom. That's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about freedom. Set the captives free. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not free. You are are bound up in sin. Not because I say so, but because the Scriptures say so. The Scriptures tell us that you're stuck in a mess. Psalm 42 says, a miry mud in pit. Again, God's Word is plain. He says, I want to set you free. I want to set you free from the sin and the pain and the struggles that you continue to endure. Well, how? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way we get set free. You know, lots of people go through lots of things that cause them to be broken. Each one of us has a story. A story of loss and hurt and pain and brokenness. Each one of us has what I'd like to call a testimony. Some of us are more willing and able or it's out in the light and we share it. Some of us don't share those details with others. But here's the reality. If Jesus comes in and he changes your life, your testimony is that you were broken and that he has redeemed you. And I tell people who go through struggles all the time, There's only one value in that struggle. There's only one value in losing a spouse or going through divorce or going through uh, uh, medical uh, issues or a broken marriage or whatever it is. There's only one value. It's the moment we get to redeem it by sharing with someone else. I'm not making fun of Steve's broken leg, but I couldn't help but think of Mark's redemption in sharing with Steve that he'd been there, right? He'd been there, um, and he'd lived that. I have never broken my leg, but I think everything I talked to Steve about this morning, it wasn't fun, and it hasn't been exciting. 
and walking on crutches and a boot sounds bad deal to me. But when I thought about Mark's broken leg and God's redemption in the middle of that and his ability and willingness to share that with Steve, I thought, that's redemption, is it not? That's when we finally get to the point where something that's not great in our lives comes around and we can find good in something bad. I found this and I want to leave you with this this morning because I think, I think it's pretty great. <laughs> and it may, get on, it may end up on my door uh, in my office. I didn't, I didn't go looking for it. It found me. I think it's great. Broken crayons still color. Church, we are broken crayons. And yet God still uses us. Why? Because he loves us so. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for a standard that you set out in front of us. A list of the qualities you want to see in us. And Lord, it can feel some overwhelming like the Proverbs 31 uh, passage for women. It can feel some overwhelming to think if I don't match up to this, I'll never be a leader. But Lord, I don't think that's your intent. Your intent isn't to say everyone's disqualified, but rather... Everyone can get there. And so, Lord, soften our hearts. Move us in the right direction. Give us wisdom and opportunities to show how you've worked in our life. In your name we pray. Amen.